Okay. Large print books. One, yep. two, three. Close enough. That worked. Close <laughs> enough. That'll do. Oh, no, you're lagging. Oh, God. On. Hello, Miff. G'day, Zan. How are ya? I'm good. I can see you far, far, far away. Far is that away. a is that a selfie light behind you? An influencer light? I can see. Yes, it is. I now use it as lighting in my house. I bought it because I'm doing so much online stuff, right? At the at mm. the start of this pandemic, way back in March, which was excellent. But then I realised um, my house is really dark at night, and so I now use the ring light. To actually light my house, it's superb. It's brilliant. It's got it's got ups and downs, and you look fabulous all the time. Yeah, it's great. Have you tried? I was I've got a ring light as well at home for the same reason. And the other day, I was doing a little Zoom catch up with friends of mine, and I realised that if you turn it around and and hold it in front of your face, you look like a really creepy moon. So you should give that a go on one of your live streams. Get the moon what? face going on. It's like a nightmarish moon if you wrap so it around So you just get face. right up to it and, <laughs> yeah. and then you look like a moon. Oh, I love that. I'm going to give that a go. That's fabulous. <laughs> these, are the, these are the things that are keeping us going in lockdown. These are the oh, things man. that are keeping us Lockdown so 2.0. It's been, a, it's been a time, hasn't it? It's been a time. There's always things to talk about, though, on Bang On. And one of the, one of the biggest stories this week has been about Ellen DeGeneres, which I've got to say, I've had to kind of backtrack and sort of figure out what the heck is going on. Can you give us a bit of a, a cliff's notes on what the deal is with the rise and fall of Ellen? Well, this has been bubbling away for quite a while, I think. There's there's always been rumours that the, the workplace at the Ellen show has been particularly toxic. I've, I've heard rumours of it over the years. And in the last couple of months, it's really picked up heat. A lot of people who worked on the show have been open about the toxic nature of the workplace, about an employment structure that is not kind to anyone who is under Ellen, and how Ellen is far more difficult in real life than she seems or appears to be on the show. Because on the show, she's, she's, she's supposed to be quite relatable although I must admit I've always found her quite prickly so I don't I don't really understand where this comes from and uh, it just seems to be a time where a lot of people are speaking out and I totally get that that workplaces are quite often in the entertainment industry very very toxic Um, I'm just not sure how much of it rests on the back of just one person and that's Ellen she may well be quite difficult to work with uh, and I know that a lot of employees have complained about the fact that she doesn't want to talk to anyone or look anyone in the eye and that kind of thing. But that's a, that's a workplace too where obviously that behaviour is encouraged by management and the structures that they have in place there. Uh, so it, uh, I think it says a lot more about how toxic the entertainment business is and how little they, they respect their staff, whereas the star gets to be whoever they want to be, um, rather than that Ellen is a bitch. Like, I'm really uncomfortable with that whole notion that a woman in in a powerful position can't be a bitch. Yeah. She has to be nice. She has to be relatable. And in actual fact, there's that really great article that's in The Guardian that came out just a couple of days ago that, that essentially says to us she's been saying she's 
she's exactly this for years. Her television special, Relatable, was actually her about her being not relatable at all. Mm. Um, so, I, look, I think it's a really interesting one and it, it, it does make me a bit uncomfortable because I don't think women are in public, in public positions are allowed to be bitches or difficult. That, that was my reaction as well when I was reading it. I was just kind of thinking, taking a step back. And, and first of all, like, you've got to acknowledge that the kind of workplace environment that people were making complaints and allegations about were about about racism and about um, mistreatment and none of that was directly related to Ellen but of course there is you know she's the big boss so there is a sense of um, being responsible for that and I think a few people were kind of upset about the non-apology that she gave when she finally addressed it but I had the same thing where I was kind of thinking aren't all people in Hollywood assholes and this is a very (laughs) and and why and why does and why yeah why is it that she's being taken to task and that article that you referenced Hadley Freeman um it was in the UK edition of the Guardian she kind of has this column called ask Hadley um which is kind of like bang on explain things to us yeah yeah and and the headline of it is so Ellen DeGeneres is not as nice as we thought she's been saying that all along yeah and she sort of made that point where it's kind of like you know does she get more grief because she's a woman because uh, she, she's gay, because she's known for her niceness, because that's very much the cornerstone of her very feel-good show. But she also said that's kind of imp- impossible to unpick. One of the other things that I thought was really great about Hadley's article was that she sort of pointed out that the the moral of the story is that you just can't be an arsehole anymore because people no. do do feel empowered to speak up. Um, there's been, th- you know, conversations around legitimate like sexual misconduct at various large you know news organizations and networks in the states but also that um you just can't in general be a prick like you know that becoming super rich does generally doesn't improve people's behavior um and finally when someone famous or not tells you that they're not nice believe them which I thought was great (laughs) what do you think about that stacks on mentality though when something like this happens and there's complaints and then all of a sudden all these people come out like you know there was a there was a producer of the today show in australia um that she was on in 2013 it must have been when she came to australia and um he was saying that when her people said, you know, when, when she comes, you're to stand here and when she arrives, you're not to approach her, you're not to talk to her, you're not to look at her. And he was like, what, I'm the producer of the show? And you know what? I read that and I was just like, I kind of get that. That's fine. Like she's a, one of the biggest stars in the world and she probably has so many people come up to her. Why is that a punishable offence? I don't know. I don't know if I'm like, I just think it was a little bit stacks on, a bit stacks on. I'm a bit with you there because I... Uh, to do a show like that on a daily basis requires a lot of focus and somebody like Ellen has a lot of people who want her time all the time, mm. I would imagine, because that is the environment that is created around that show, that it is a family and that stuff is difficult to manage. And the way to shut it down in order to get the person who is employed to do the job is to shut down all that extracurricular stuff around it. I, I kind of get that, to be honest. Do you know when she came to Australia, remember she did that same thing as Oprah where she, like, flew a whole plane load of people out to Australia and did a show? Mm. She, remember she did that was in 2013? Yeah. I was on the plane that they were all on. I was coming no. back. I must have been coming back from South by Southwest in Texas and I was on yeah. the jet that she and all of the Ellen fans on and it was just full of middle-aged American women who were just losing their shit that they were flying to <laughs> Australia. It was such a vibe. Of course, yeah. I didn't see Ellen because she was way up at the front of the bird, but yeah. everybody else was there in their Ellen T-shirts. It was kind of weird. I was like on this TV show for oh 18 hours. 
oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> that would have been a brilliant flight. Um, very noisy, I would imagine. Very excitable people on that flight. That is amazing. I she said if that. I could get up the front of the bird and have a word with Portia, hang out in first class, not likely. That's the sound of one of the visual highlights from the new visual album that Beyonce just put out, Black is King. It premiered on Disney Plus over the weekend. She's no stranger to the visual album, is she, Miv? She did that first self-titled one, I think, in, like, 2013, and then she did Lemonade, which we fully frothed on. Um, And this one is its kind of loosely tied to the narrative arc of The Lion King, but I say that quite literally. It's a very loose tie to that story. Beyonce is very much the centre of this visual album and and beauty is the center you know particularly black beauty and and black excellence have and you black seen creativity it? oh my did, god did you I did you get it? the login that you were chasing i got the login big shout out to bank fam taylor for <laughs> getting in contact on the instas pretty quickly and said that she will convert me to loving disney um before before the year is out and i'm pretty sure given we're in lockdown that could be a fact given I'm running out of things to watch. So thank you, Taylor. Um, I promised her I would only watch Beyonce's film and Hamilton, so <laughs> I'm pretty happy with that. Um, I loved it. I watched it last night and um, I it was so sumptuous, so incredibly visually sumptuous. Mm. It was extraordinary. And that that idea of of Beyonce as a visual artist is really, really coming to the fore now. And this is what I love. The tie-in with The Lion King, I think, actually dragged it down. Yeah. In so many ways. The connecting back to the film was the one thing that, that kept pulling me out of the space that she created. I almost feel like she had these things to say and yet she didn't need that connection, that commercial connection. Mm. Um, I think that's probably the only the only downfall I feel with with the whole piece. It's it's so extraordinary visually. It's it's she's a performance artist now. Like it's mm. not just it's not just a music video. It's not just uh, well. It's it's not a history lesson. Put it that way. It, it could be a, a, an attempt at a history lesson, talking about um, the black diaspora and identity and the fact that so many people live around the world because of slavery don't know about the history of their origins and this is about bringing that up again and celebrating it and and looking into it without any kind of factual information but it's just a sumptuous visual experience I'd, i i loved it i i was a bit i was a bit unsure at first but then when i finally got in there oof i was in what about you zan this, oh, my God, the sumptuous is the right word for it. Like, just not only the, the way that it looked in terms of the choreography and the, and the styling, but all the locations that they shot in too, all over the world, clearly done before lockdown yeah. um, and, and just incredible to watch. I kind of agree with you that that tie-in, which obviously they had to do because it's on Disney Plus and it's tied into The Lion King, it did kind of feel weird, particularly when there was, um, you know, quotes from the movie. Um yeah, it just felt like it was, yeah, ripping you out of this almost like a dream state. I think maybe because of that and also because it was more like a um, a sequence of visuals that kind of you needed to soak in and I will have to watch two or three times again to see, to kind of almost 
consume it because some of those shots are just so short. It just jumps from one thing to the other and you're sort of left with your head spinning. Um, but, yeah, because of that I felt like I wasn't hooked in as much as mm. on lemon, Lemonade, which I still remember the first time I saw Lemonade and I was sitting on the edge of my seat at home and just kind of gasping. I couldn't believe what she'd done. I didn't have that same reaction to this. I just mm. thought, wow, this is phenomenal, looks phenomenal, but I don't have a, a bigger connection to it. And maybe that's also because this is, you know, a story that's a story mm. arc about a young king and not, you know, the, the female experience. Both of the stories are very rooted in a black experience. And I think that that's, you know, something that you should search out if you're kind of looking at this, so many dissections of Black is King online. And I think like Homecoming, which we talked about too, it, it's, this is a film that's really uninterested in speaking to a white audience. Absolutely. And I, and I think that that's, that's fantastic and for that reason and for a few other reasons I don't want to give it a definitive review because it's not really my space to. And, and I'll, I'll put a few of those great reviews in the show notes. But one of the things that, you know, that, that a few reviews have been picking up on is this sort of tie to the monarchy, which is mm. an interesting connection when you're thinking about... Um, race relations and the traditional ideas of the monarchy and um, a, a patriarchal society as well. There was a really interesting piece on Pitchfork, um, an analysis by the critic Sheldon Pierce, which I'll put in the show notes too. Yep. You mentioned that connection to slavery for African-Americans. He said Beyonce's turn towards Africa as the black ancestral home mirrors that long-standing narrative correction that black people descended from kings and queens, that our roots run far deeper than American slavery and that the middle passage disconnected us from our rich history and our birthright. The film's very title is trying to invoke a repressed and overwritten royal lineage. And it kind of speaks about, you know, that idea of the king and the monarchy being used a lot in black music culture, like Kanye and Jay-Z mm. on Watch the Throne, Biggie Smalls yep. with his crown, that iconic picture of the crown. Yep. Kind of that, that idea that getting in touch with this royal ancestry will actually help undermine a white power structure, even though the king is the linchpin of the patriarchal hierarchy. I just thought it was a really interesting take in his piece about that connection to monarchy and patriarchy but how it's kind of being flipped in this a little bit. I'm not sure whether I totally agree, but I thought it was an interesting take. I also read one as well that I thought was really interesting, and it's from a Burundian writer, Judy Sale Irikozi, and she's written an article called Why We Must Be Careful When Watching Beyonce's Black is King, and, and that's not that uh, she doesn't love it because she's a huge Beyonce fan, but she's gone on to say um, it's not a criticism of Beyonce but more of a criticism of of things like power structure and, and elites, and this is one of the quotes from it. Black capitalism, black imperialism, black monarchies were never our freedom, and they won't be even if we add black faces to these systems. They will still oppress the black community since they are rooted in anti-blackness. So uh, more a suggestion that, that looking towards these, these old power structures may not still be the answer for mm. moving forward because those power structures inherently within them have an essence of anti-blackness. There's so much good stuff to read and obviously I'm going to watch it another four to five times. This has got to be one of the most artful things you're seeing on Disney Plus though. Like when you go Absolutely. into that app, you've got Simpsons episodes, you've got Pixar films, you've got Disney favourites and then you've got this film. It just stands completely apart to what you see and I think that is a great, you know, that's a great action of art in itself. Yeah. It stands completely apart from 
anything you'll see at the moment. Yeah. It's yeah. If you if you saw this, if someone put this in a gallery without knowing it was Beyonce, you'd go, oh my fucking god, that's amazing. Oh, um, Miff, once again, the Bang Fam are tagging us in posts about fashion. <laughs> I love the one you, ta- you you shared with me, Zan. This is magnificent. Tell me. A- I, love, I love that you're reporting on fashion too. <laughs> I, I will defer to you for your critique of this, which is basically um, a, is it Bottega Veneta? Is that how I pronounce this fashion house? I think so, yeah, yeah. Bottega okay. Veneta. Bottega um, Vianetta, Bottega Vianetta, <laughs> who have crafted a beautiful bag which basically resembles one of those, you know, the little black bags that you use to basically pick up and hold the dog poo that your yes. little friend uh, plops out on the morning or, or afternoon walk. It's got that. I know tel- it well. I've started to embrace the bag. <laughs> it's got the telltale knotted loop at the top, which, you know, you'll have to hold on to the special delivery until you can find a bin. It's a little bit larger than the, the poo bags um, that you'll see. And I'm I'm assuming they didn't intend for it to remind us of that. But this this is an incredible high fashion poo bag that I'm looking at here. $3,000. $3,000 for this beautiful bag as well. That'll look great down at the dog park. <laughs> uh, can I say, can I say though, um, during during a pandemic, one of the best things you can do, even if you don't have a pet, is to go to any dog park anywhere near you where they fence it off and the dogs just run around willy-nilly and seriously, it is it is the happiest place on earth. I guarantee you. Just go there, look at the dogs and smile and, and that'll get you through this if you're yeah, struggling. Yeah, that's <laughs> totally. I do that all the time. I don't have a dog. I just go there and hang out and I'm surrounded by dogs. It's very good for the mental health. Oh, totally, totally. But look, you know, if you want to remember those moments, perhaps you want to drop $3,000 on a poo bag <laughs> just so you can feel that while you're out and about. I like that. <laughs> I like it. Hey, before we get into our bang on mm. for this week, a, a little heads up. We're doing a bit of a takeover. Um, not intentional, but I love that this has happened. The Sound, which is this new live music show on ABC TV on Sundays mm. at 5.30. you're on. I've been presenting the music news and new releases. Jane Gazzo has been hosting every week. There is a different co-host and you are going to be the co-host this week. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, they've they've invited me in to be a co-host, which is lovely. So if Bang Fam want to get behind us and show a bit of support for Australian music, just tune in at five thirty on Sunday. I love it's a bang on takeover. I know, I know. We didn't tell them that though. We won't tell them, but the numbers will go up. <laughs> the numbers will go up exponentially now that um, now that the Bang Fam are on board. Get some eyes on it, everyone. So. I love it. I love it. <sighs> it's nice to be involved. So thanks for thanks for having me, Zan. I'm looking forward to seeing Inside Your House again. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I get to see it every week, you know, as you we're do. doing this on Zoom, but um, everybody else gets to have a little Guernsey. What backdrop are you going to use? Uh, just the usual. My, um, my brother's partner does makes art, so that's just sitting behind me as it always does. So Love it. Uh, makes art. She's an artist. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> and also, if it sounds really echoey in my end, just let, letting you know that this is just my house and we tried to do my recording under a blanket today um but it didn't it didn't work because I had to strip down to my sports bra because I was sweating too much (laughs) so that was unacceptable and I just feel like I might have um terrified our producer too our new bang boy (laughs) (laughs) is that like is that like unacceptable in the workplace am I going to be Ellen 
because I. <laughs> Shit! Oh no! I'm cancelled. Oh, sorry. Not cancelled. Never cancelled. Never cancelled. Um, what are you banging on about, Zan? Um, I'm banging on about a show that is so funny that I just discovered. It's been running for a while. It started as a web series. It's called Desus and Mero. And I think it was a web series in like 2014 and then Vice did a season of it and now it's hit Showtime in the States. And it's kind of with that Showtime new season, um, it appeared as like a late night show vibe, very small audience, and they had big guests like David Letterman and AOC and a whole bunch of other people. But then, of course, everything changed around March and everyone had to start filming from home. So now they're filming and each of their homes on Zoom, kind of pretty much like this, um, in the Bronx. And I like it better that way. Like, it's actually very similar. The format of the show is very similar to Bang On. It kind of, it's like short, sharp takes on the events of the week. It's very funny. They're two very funny guys. And they have really amazing guests. Like, they've had Billy Porter on, Andy Samberg, Alicia Keys, Missy Elliott. It's just really fun. And so it's kind of like, if you like Bang On, then you would, really love this show because it's like a capture of the the events of the week obviously from an American perspective a black American perspective it is so so funny and um I really recommend it it's on Stan if you've got Stan so Desus and Mero very very fun oh brilliant I love that I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out absolutely what are you banging on about the brilliant documentary in my blood it runs which focuses on the the life of a, a young fella in Alice Springs Duan Hussan who is one of the youngest ever people to address the UN um, and in his community he's considered to be a child healer and he's become the subject of this doco and it, it talks about or it explores the the difficulty that he has between navigating two cultures and the richness of his Indigenous culture and the difficulty of what a, a Western culture offers him in terms of education and it's 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 really sad to see that the way that we deal with a lot of the young Aboriginal kids actually goes against and is completely opposite to the education and, and the wonderful richness of their lives outside of school and, and it's really difficult for them at a young age to kind of, to balance that, hence why a lot of kids get into to difficulty and into mm. trouble and so it's it's a magnificent documentary it's it is sadly no longer available on i iview but you can watch it on demand online so i thought since we can't watch that the an art fair that you and i have both been to is on this weekend and i know bang on is timeless and it exists anywhere but if you're listening to bang on when it comes out on a thursday on the weekend the darwin art fair which showcases uh, indigenous artists from all across the Northern Territory and Western Australia, all of Australia, really. It's mm. an extraordinary art fair. It's an amazing experience. And because of COVID, they're going online this year. So just get to check out some incredible artworks, maybe even purchase some stuff because all the money goes back to, to the artists themselves. This is the beautiful thing about the art fair. And, um, yeah, you, it, it's such an eye-opening and wonderful experience. I can't wait to peruse again. That art fair is so, like you say, I've, every year that when I'm lucky enough to be in Darwin for the Nemas, it's my first stop um, to go and check out the art fair. And one of the things that I really noticed the first time I was there was my narrow understanding of Indigenous art coming from 
a southern city in Australia and just how broad it was, not only in style, but also the ceramics um, and the basket weaving and just all kinds of incredible works of art in so many different mediums, but also really different styles, quite abstract styles in some ways, like just so broad. So, yeah, I loved it. And if you've never, like it's kind of, awesome for everybody to be able to experience that now because usually it just happens if you're there physically um but now everyone can can check it out so yeah have a have a guernsey there's some amazing pieces up there very good bang on i'm going to definitely get the credit card out this weekend (laughs) oh you bet oh mine's already (laughs) mine's melted it's had such action over the last couple of weeks (laughs) it's the only way i'm coping with the pandemic (laughs) it definitely here's a hot tip it doesn't fill the hole i've been trying to it doesn't fill the hole I've bought some things I can't look. And the worst bit is I, I'm buying things and, and I'm not drinking. I haven't been drinking at all during the pandemic, but I still can't remember what I've bought. <laughs> like it's bad, Zan. It's really bad. They, it arrives and I go, oh, did I buy that? What it's is happening drunk shopping, to me? It's pandemic shopping. <laughs> Amaze. I know. <sighs> well, good luck on the Great TV to this see weekend. You. Yeah, you too. Yeah, and um, yeah, I miss you. I miss you Wanna, too. Can't wait to elbow bump you. Just elbow bumping me through a Zoom chat. Is there anything yeah. sadder? Is there anything sadder and more 2020 than what you just did? <laughs> nah. Bless. I uh, love you. Love, love you, you Bang See, fam. See, see ya. you next week. Bang. 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 Bang.